Welcome to The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. I think that one of the greatest gifts we could all bring to the world is restoring the feminine in all of us. At this point, it really has to be about service. It's not about hardly anything else, but where can you serve the people and where can you serve the planet? It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all relatives. We stand at the threshold of a historic opportunity in the human experiment to reimagine how to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. It's a revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. In this one-hour special from the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we celebrate social and scientific innovators with breakthrough solutions for restoring people and planet, creating a future environment of hope. Imagine a gathering of women, feisty, fierce women, young and old, determined to make the world a radically better place. This group of women shares more than gender. Studies show that women really do approach the world differently from men. Women share a biological compass that in stressful times orients them to tend and befriend rather than the male reaction response of fight or flight. In most parts of the world, women continue to live with the oppression and violence related to male-dominated power structures. It's true that some women have far more power, opportunity, equality, and rights than in the past. Yet even where women have gained ground, there's usually a long way to go before reaching parity. The word patriarchy may sound polemical to some, but women everywhere nod knowingly when they hear it. I think men take it really personally when we talk about why women reimagining the world. I don't even know if it's reimagining, it's, I guess it's remembering the world. Um, and then recreating it. And so it's holding the balance. It's bringing us back into balance. Some believe that the environmental crisis can be seen as an expression of that power imbalance between men and women, and of the internal imbalance between the masculine and feminine qualities within each of us and throughout our culture and institutions. I want women in leadership. I want mothers specifically in leadership. I want people that understand the full breadth of the challenges we face in this society. And it's a very important voice that's being excluded. Could restoring that balance restore not only justice, but also the earth? Join us for a wide-ranging exploration from a woman's eye view. Move On co-founder Joan Blades and sustainability advocate Annie Leonard speak about activism powered by the experience of motherhood. And author Alice Walker, social entrepreneur Nina Simons, psychologist Jean Shinoda Bolin, teacher Joanna Macy, youth arts director Sarah Kroll, and leadership executive Akaya Winwood together ponder the global benefits of a truly egalitarian society. This is They Don't Call Her Mother Earth for Nothing, Women Reimagining the World. I'm Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to this one-hour special from the Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. I've prepared some questions, and these women haven't seen them yet. 
So what we're going to do is allow for what I call emergent woman's wisdom to happen here. And we'll trust that what gets said is exactly what needs to be both said and heard. At a recent Bioneers conference, a remarkable circle of women gathered for a freewheeling, wide-angle conversation led by professional facilitator Akaya Winwood. So we're reimagining the world, and we're women. Imagine that. My first question is a simple one. Why women? Because it's the age of patriarchy that is dying. Because women have unique, as a gender, we've got compassion, we use conversation to bond, and we look after the kids. Uh, and I, I think it's just time uh, to give women the opportunity in this period of history or after history um, to show what we can do in terms of protecting the planet which is being destroyed so rapidly just in front of our eyes. Um, I think that one of the greatest gifts we could all bring to the world is restoring the feminine in all of us. And I think that as women, we have a certain leg up on understanding what that might look and feel like. <laughs> Thank you. Akaya Winwood is president and CEO of the Rockwood Leadership Institute. Previously, she has long served as an executive leadership coach and organizational development consultant in the San Francisco Bay Area. Mary Oliver writes, you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. That's from her poem, Wild Geese. The line between women and animals has often been drawn to shame us or keep us in line. As we reimagine this world, what is the rightful relationship between women and our animal bodies? We will call our brothers and sisters to celebrate animals and our animal bodies. Teacher and author Joanna Macy conducts workshops to train environmental and social activists worldwide. She combines Buddhist practices, systems theory, and an irrepressible love for life in what she calls the work that reconnects. The terrifying thing that is happening to our culture, to our global culture now, is that the instinct for the preservation of life has been cut. There has been a rupture so that we are actually able as a civilization with the most well-trained minds to plot how with our weapons we can shatter flesh or breathe in flames to be burned that you can't put out, that we can go off and turn a desert into radioactive health for thousands of years, we have lost our connection, our erotic connection to life. Mm. And this is what our greatest task perhaps is, but greatest task is this we have to do and do it fast. Mm. 
and to relieve ourselves of the terrible loneliness that makes us crazy when we cut ourselves off from the rest of the web of life. Chief Seattle warned us of that. He said, without the beasts, you will perish of a great loneliness. And we're cutting ourselves off from each other as well as our own bodies because of this. So we can praise be that we have bodies, that they can make us sane again. What is the rightful relationship between women and our animal bodies? Alice Walker is one of the most important writers of our time. She's a self-declared womanist who won the Pulitzer Prize for her book, The Color Purple. I think Mary Oliver is right uh, to say that we should let these bodies love what they love, because when you do that, you break every possible law. <laughs> and that's always very energizing. <laughs> that was so succinct. <laughs> I love to sit at a table with my mentors. As artistic director of the renowned Destiny Arts Center in Oakland, California, Sarah Kroll has supported the growth of diverse inner-city young people through dance, theater, martial arts, violence prevention, and youth leadership workshops for more than 20 years. I think about the young people that I work with, and um, I teach hip-hop and modern dance, mostly to teenagers now, and they're exposed to a lot of of sexuality through the media, even though it's really messed up, some of it is good because it's just, at least it's there. It's not like hidden. And then, then I'm able to have the conversation with them because they'll bring these dances and they want to choreograph them and it's all to this booty shaking stuff and all of it is booty, 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 shake, 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 pussy, 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 right? And I'm like, okay, Sexuality is all good. Your body is beautiful as it is. And it's yours. It's your temple and you own it. And so when you come from that, when you shake that, when you shake what you have, shake it for you. You know what I'm saying? Because then when you shake it for you, there's something power empowering about it rather than giving away the power to somebody else. Right? And so, so my whole chant last year was sexy and strong. Sexy and strong. I, I want to echo what Sarah said. It's amazing to sit at a table with so many mentors. Social entrepreneur Nina Simons is co-founder and president of Bioneers. She speaks and teaches about women's leadership, cultivating relational intelligence, and organizations as living systems. What I'm reminded of um, is lessons that I've learned from several of you about the value of grieving and darkness. And it's come to be a real guidepost for me to help me orient myself toward the places that are painful and difficult. I think I read an interview with Alice where she talked about how we, when we 
encourage ourselves to go deeper, we expand our capacity for joy at the same time. And it feels to me like that's part of reinventing mm -hmm. how we understand ourselves to be human, is to expand our capacity at both ends. Um, and the other thing that, uh, that your question raises for me, Akaya, is that we all have the disease of modern American culture, which lets us think that our minds are so smart. And actually, I, I've been struggling to find my own voice in writing and speaking, and one of my favorite teachers keeps telling me that if I stop trying to sound like a smart white man, I'll be fine. <laughs> and, um, and I realize how scary it is to me to believe that I have within me what I need. And I think that that's part of us reimagining the world is to know that we have within us everything we need. And some of that is about recognizing the wisdom that's in our bodies and that's in our hearts and our spirits and not imagining that our minds have to solve it all. I'll add to that. Um, I, I think that for me, um, the journey lately has been getting closer to the other animals and understanding that as a path to myself. Alice Walker. Because about a year ago, it occurred to me that I had married early on and well, sort of early, and I'd been in many long relationships with people, but I only truly started to feel married with my dog and my cat. And so I decided that I felt really married to them and that I wanted to make it official. <laughs> and so I asked, you know, the local priestess uh, to come and all of our friends, or a lot of our friends, <clears throat> with lots of flowers and lots of kitty treats <laughs> and dog biscuits. Um, and German chocolate cake for the rest of us. And we had our wedding. And so that is really how I feel now, that uh, the closer we can get to the other animals, the better for us, the more we will understand that we actually do have these animal bodies. Because I learned from my cat and my dog just what it is to really love being alive in the sun feeling the wind on my face, having really good food, having a nice place to sleep, you know. Um, so that is, you know, that is really, for me, getting more and more free to feel myself as just another one of the animals on the planet. Again, moderator Akaya Winwood. In an all-or-nothing dichotomous world, which is where we're living, um, inclusion has meant allowing for everything, including war and rape and greed. What's your wisdom about boundary setting, about limits and how women can do that? How do we say yes and no within a framework of inclusion that also creates a space for other. 
Joanna Macy. Well, it's an important question because our species and probably complex life forms are all threatened with extinction because we don't recognize limits. There are limits to this earth and the resources we can draw from it. There are limits to the waste we can dump. When I look at what's taught me a lot about limits, which has been uh, the uh, anti-nuclear movement and nuclear waste and nuclear power, I see that women have really stepped forward and taken amazing leadership there over the last quarter century or more. And maybe it's because there's something about being anchored in the body, being child bearers, being washers of the dead. We, our minds are anchored to our bodies. We know that, so we know that we can't just go spin off and think that we can draw those lines of exponential growth and think things will be okay. And because we have always know that somebody has to take out the garbage. I'm really proud to see how women have recognized the limits that we must set to the way we are treating the earth and what that we can extract from the earth and dump on the earth. You know, we changed the world in the late 60s and 70s. It was just women sitting in circles talking but talking about what was true and supporting each other to do what each woman individually was moved to do. And usually started with going home and bringing about a egalitarian relationship with a significant other or not. But it also involved marching, it involved doing what you felt you could do and wanted to do. Best-selling author Jean Shinoda Bolin is a clinical professor of psychiatry at UC San Francisco and a former board member of the Ms. Foundation for Women. And I think that the whole notion of when a critical number of people change their way of viewing things, humanity changes. And the natural form that women have is actually to be in circle and to talk and to reduce stress by speaking about what's true and then supporting each other to do whatever it is. And I think that the boundary stuff, whether it's with a significant other or it's with, uh, with some major whatever, corporation, government, that to do it together, to have sisters at your back, so to speak, makes it a lot easier to do. And now it's time for a third wave of the women's movement that has to do with with bringing peace to the world. I I need to reveal something of the inner workings of my brain here, um, which is that this question about boundaries has me going. Nina Simons. I realized that because I'm much more comfortable generally and have been through most of my life in a kind of boundaryless space where we all feel each other because I tend to feel other people without trying. Um, and and I, I often assign internal gender properties to what I notice in myself. So I notice this boundarylessness as sort of unity and sort of feminine. and. 
And I've noticed that my struggle to define limits and to befriend boundaries feels to me like something of the healthy masculine in it, that mm. part of the legacy of this time is that we not only are learning and reclaiming what it means to be a healthy feminine, but what's a healthy masculine. And, um, and so I really want to have both of them in me. And, and, and one more thing I was going to add is that um, another little piece from a teacher of mine who's here this weekend, Jeanette Armstrong, who said, you know, there's something very healthy and very needed in this time about the anger that flows up through your feet. And um, I've, been, I've been sort of exploring that because I grew up thinking anger was bad, you know, and had no place in my world. And, um, and I've been beginning to understand, like when I hear you talk, Joanna, about um, the anti-nuclear movement, that's the outrage and the anger that comes up through the soles of our feet that says, no, this cannot be. We have to stop this. We have to take a stand. And I think actually... For me, I'm wanting to encourage that in my life because it feels like a strengthening of limits for myself that's about what I really want to take a stand for and, um, and how much I want to encourage everyone else to join me. From our relationship to animals and our animal bodies, to each other and to planet Earth. Joanna Macy says we're in the midst of a huge and necessary revolution. Nina Simons points to our need to restore value to the feminine, those qualities of compassion, caring, collaboration, and emotional intelligence, qualities that have been systematically devalued in all people and our civilization to the detriment of our collective future. When we return, the experience of motherhood inspires profound change for two global activists. I'm Neil Harvey. This is a one-hour special from The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. Download this and other programs on the radio pages at www.bioneers.org. You're listening to a one-hour Bioneers special program. I'm Neil Harvey. This is They Don't Call Her Mother Earth for Nothing, Women Reimagining the World. We'll return to the Bioneers conference panel discussion featuring Alice Walker, Nina Simons, Jean Shinoda Bolin, Joanna Macy, Sarah Kroll, and Akaya Winwood in a moment. But first, social network innovator Joan Blades and sustainability advocate Annie Leonard speak about activism that comes from each of their experiences of motherhood. Recognizing the power of women's leadership, 
means recognizing the need to integrate the best of the feminine and masculine capacities within each of us. We all carry both. Joan Blade says the culture is ready to shift now. As co-founder of MoveOn.org, she helped revolutionize web-based political organizing. Through her own experience with motherhood, she found a way to affect positive change for the vast majority of Americans, women, men, and children. There's deep discrimination against mothers in our country. And none of us really expect that. I didn't. I only realized this a couple years ago. Joan Blades is an artist, attorney, writer, and businesswoman, building on her web-based organizing successes to right another injustice that's very personal to her. Along with Kirsten Rao Finkbeiner, she founded Moms Rising to bring together millions of people who all share a common concern about the need to make the world more family-friendly. A mother is going to get paid, on average, 27% less than a man who is equally educated and has an equivalent job. A single mother is going to get paid 33 to 44% less than a man in equivalent education and job. Well, all of a sudden, that explains a whole lot to me. It explains why there are so many women and children in poverty. Really easy. <laughs> but it also explains to me why there's so few women in leadership. You look in the boardrooms, you look in the halls of power in politics, women are underrepresented. If we're lucky if they're 20%, often it's 5%. Well, what's happening? You have a career path that's traditional and linear, and 82% of women become mothers. Well, having a baby is, for many women, not a linear experience. It requires certainly a little time off. And fact is, if a woman wants to take a year off, say, or two years off, or a father does, they should be able to do that. That's a good thing. But with our traditional expectations, too often those mothers and those fathers that make those choices are put on a mommy track or a daddy track where they never get to the top of their field, whatever that may be. And that's bad for us. It's bad for us for a couple reasons, one of which I want women in leadership. I want mothers specifically in leadership. I want people that understand the full breadth <laughs> of the challenges we face in this society. And it's a very important voice that's being excluded. Our belief is that the reason there's so much bias against mothers in the United States is we don't have the kind of support that the vast majority of industrialized countries do for parents. And that starts with leave, you know, paid leave when a woman has a child. Out of 168 countries, there are four that have nothing. That would be the United States, Papua New Guinea, Swaziland, and Lesotho. Okay, that's jaw-dropping. you got to be kidding. What are we thinking? You know, we have women that are making the choice between taking care of their infants and having a roof over their head. Moms Rising is promoting policies that support America's working women, the majority of whom already hold the job of mom. Women and mothers are in the workplace to stay, yet appropriate public policies and workplace structures in the United States lag far behind most other countries. 
This mother saw the situation as a kind of mother of all issues. It led her to co-create the Motherhood Manifesto. Again, Joan Blades. We've taken the word mother and made it into the manifesto points because, you know, you want this to be memorable. Uh, M is for maternity slash paternity leave, paid. O is open, flexible work, and that means the ability to adjust your schedule to be able to take care of kids. T, TV and other after-school programs. But after-school programs, for Pete's sake, this is, you know, proven to be a good investment because kids that have good after-school programs have much better academic outcomes. They ultimately do much better in society. Healthcare. Every kid should have healthcare. Frankly, all Americans should have healthcare. But first, give healthcare to all kids and stop messing around. Excellent childcare. That means staffing, education, really respecting childcare as the huge community value it is. Finally, realistic and fair wages. Someone that's working full-time, more than full-time, should be able to support themselves and support their family. Since 2006, Moms Rising has gained over 150,000 citizen members and keeps growing. More than 85 national and state organizations have aligned with the aims of Moms Rising. Social networking strategies developed at MoveOn.org have been put to use, raising awareness and catalyzing action on motherhood and family issues. As part of the digital menu, members can download chapters of the Motherhood Manifesto online. It's also a multimedia organizing tool, available as a documentary film for screening at house parties and in book form. One of the stories in the Motherhood Manifesto is about a business owner, Jim Johnson, who's a conservative. But he heard Joan Williams talking about the issues of work and family and that somehow our society has got our values transitioned. It used to be God, family, work. That organization doesn't seem to be coming through. And he heard that and he said, well, I'm, I don't mean to be making things harder on women and mothers. And he went back and he checked in his company and he found that, yeah, mothers were impacted the most by not getting benefits for part-time and were most likely to be part-time. And that, you know, vast majority of the company would like flexibility. And we're talking about Johnson Moving and Storage, an over 100-year-old organization. But he changed it. And he found it was good for his bottom line. Yeah, there was much less turnover. People were happy there. They were productive. He could attract new people that were, you know, very excellent too because he had such good policies. It was a win-win. But somehow this understanding has not permeated the business community in general yet. It's, you know, just sneaking in here and there. And we need to make it stop sneaking and just be a tidal wave. It's time. You know, it's a real big payment we're making because of this, because we're not taking care of kids. And 20 years from now, these kids are the engine of our economy. And they're not going to be as able as they should be because we didn't invest in them now. Moms Rising changemaker Joan Blades 
joins a world full of women who are acting on behalf of women, children, and families. Environmentalist Annie Leonard pulled a group of her colleagues to get a sense of how women themselves are faring in the midst of working so hard to make the world a better place. The women I talked to, when I asked them about the activism work that they felt most comfortable with and most proud of, all of the women felt most excited about and most comfortable in organizational structures or in activist settings that were based on collaborations and relationships rather than traditional positional power hierarchical kind of dominant centralized organizations. And the excitement was about this, this model of organizing that is spreading, that's about networks of organizations and movement-based work rather than individual issue or individual, individual organization. Annie Leonard is a leader in the global movement to reduce waste and end overconsumption. The Story of Stuff, a film written and hosted by Leonard and produced by Free Range Studios, has been viewed on her website over six million times and counting. She's traveled the world advocating that we all make a life-affirming shift in our values away from possessions and towards family, friends, and community. Now, a number of the friends that I talked to, women friends, talked about an incredibly strong connection to life and connection to connection itself. Now, in terms of life, I recognize that not all women can or choose to have kids. But still, I believe that the ability to bear life is a very strong unifying thread among many, many women. For me, it was an incredible experience. I'm, I'm the mother of an eight-year-old daughter, and I always thought of myself as you know, a, a very strong-willed, powerful woman. When I had this baby, it was the first time that I felt like a mammal. I, I, I literally <laughs> felt like a mammal. I felt like a mother lioness when I was pushing that stroller down the street or feeding my child. I felt if anyone threatens her, I will rip their head off. This, this incredible power. And I've been an activist for 20 years, and I have had a moments of incredible anger, outrage, courage, hope. I have never had any feeling in my 20 years of activism that came near that mammalian lioness protecting my child force from within me. And I was like, whoa, where is that coming from? It was an incredible power. And I wondered, what is this power? And where does it come from? And can women, through this, this um, unifying experience, is there some way to harness that energy and use that to transform the world towards sustainability and justice? Because that was a hell of a power. In motherhood, Annie Leonard found an unexpectedly fierce new force of power for her activism. When women redefine leadership in feminine terms, they often find, like Leonard, that that power to act on behalf of themselves, their community, and the earth actually comes from within. I think that this has profound implications for how women work if we want to make the world a better place. If it's true that women are more inclined towards seeing the world through relationships and through community rather than individuals, then does it follow that we can more aptly nurture about a culture of communal care or an ethic of care? And will nurturing and encouraging women's voices in the political arena and in the activist arena, will that lead us more quickly to a culture that's grounded in social democracy and ecological sustainability and justice? Can we replace this more domination-based, individual-based society that we're now operating in? And if that is true, 
then it seems to me a, a primary goal and role of women activists, in addition to whatever activist work that we're doing, is to develop organizational structures and cultures that really encourage women, and especially young women, not to silence that voice, but to really nurture it. And I just want to close with one quote that I just loved from this in a different voice. She says that staying in connection then with women and girls in teaching, in research, in therapy, in friendship, in motherhood, I would add in our activist work, is potentially revolutionary. Annie Leonard. When we return, more from Akaya Winwood, Joanna Macy, Nina Simons, and Alice Walker. This is They Don't Call Her Mother Earth for Nothing, Women Reimagining the World, a one-hour special from the Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. For 20 years, the Bioneers Conference has hosted an annual gathering of the most innovative and inspiring leaders with breakthrough solutions for the greatest challenges of our time. Each year, the conference is transmitted live to numerous local beaming Bioneers conferences. Books, radio shows, and television programs are distributed around the world and made available at www.bioneers.org, all to help reimagine how to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life each other, and future generations. This is They Don't Call Her Mother Earth for Nothing, Women Reimagining the World, a one-hour special program. I'm Neil Harvey. Now back to our Bioneers panel of imaginative women. Alice Walker, Joanna Macy, and Nina Simons spoke with host Akaya Winwood. Down in my belly, there is a place of deep despair. And sitting right underneath it is my greatest hope and desire for this wondrous and amazing world. What lies under your despair? And what wisdom can you offer us from that place? Joanna Macy. Well, you know, the work that I do in groups is uh, originally was called despair work, despair and empowerment. Then it was called deep ecology work because we found that by honoring our despair and not trying to cement it over or talk it away or privatize it into some personal pathology, we found that 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 pain for our world was a gateway into our full vitality and to our connection with all life. So the other side of that pain for our world is a love for our world that is 
bigger than you would ever guess from looking at what this civilization uh, posits as the good life. I love so raw, so ancient, so deep, that you know that if you get in touch with that, you can just ride it, you can just be there, and it doesn't matter, then nothing can stop you. But to get to that, you've got to stop being afraid of hurting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The price of reaching that is uh, tears and outrage. Because the tears and the power to keep on going, they come from the same source. It's like two sides of the same coin. I, I do believe that. Mm. Thank you. Alice Walker. Um, what, I, what I find underneath my despair is actually ecstasy um, because I am so incredibly happy that I'm here now. Not in the future, not in the past, but somehow lucky enough to be born just right now, to be here right now is such a gift because the despair is for me that uh, it's that mile thick covering of ice that Al Gore tells us about in his film. And when I think of our planet, which is so glorious and so alive and so colorful and so warm and with so many birds and all kinds of things, when I think of all of that under the ice, I feel such sadness. It's almost unbearable. But the joy of actually being here, to somehow have, to have made it here. And, and I feel this very intensely at, at times when I allow myself the space to experience eternity. I'm very sorry that that seems to be the future of the planet. But I also feel that she will be fine. She will be fine. And she has somehow managed to leave me here now, to have me witness, to be a witness to her, her magnificence and her beauty and her generosity and her grace. And that's the ecstasy. Again, moderator Akaya Winwood. So many of us can taste and see and feel this world that we are reimagining. Arundhati Roy tells us uh, another world is not only possible, she's on her way. On a quiet day, I can hear her breathing. Tell us how we can get from here to then. What practical, everyday actions can an ordinary woman like me do to move us along. Alice Walker. I think that sometimes it's very hard to know where you will serve next because um, the place that you're standing is, is not holding or you don't see the effectiveness. For instance, all of those marches and all of those speeches and all of that anguish to try to stop the war, the last big war, against Iraq and before that against Afghanistan. And it's not that I personally gave up on that, and I still do that, but I also 
realize that we have to change the consciousness of our children about war, that they don't know what war is. And how could they? Because their parents give them camouflage diapers and they buy them toys that they use to harass and hurt each other. And they think war is a game. So it was uh, necessary to move on to writing children's books about war, or a children's book about war, to help uh, shift the consciousness of our children. It seems to me maybe a very, very long shot, but it certainly seems worth doing. And I think in my own life, the now and the distant yonder is held together by hard work. And sometimes it's too hard, and sometimes you know, I feel like I have, you know, 18 and 19 arms, as Durga has, and all of them are whirling. And then someone comes along and they, they want me to use a 20th arm, and I don't have it. Uh, so that is, is very possible, but the, it, it reminds me of what my friend Gloria Steinem used to say. Uh, when we worked together on Ms. Magazine, I would see her, you know, frantically, um, going around trying to raise money to keep the magazine going. Then she'd come in in the middle of the night and try to write articles, and then she, there were always people wanting this and wanting that. And then they were kvetching. You know, so she's doing all of these things, and somebody would say, well, why don't you speak up about, you know, I don't know, whatever. And she used to say, she said, you know, I feel like a sitting dog being told to sit. Okay. <laughs> and, and, this is, and this is how it is. This is how it really is often for, for the people who are showing up to hold up the hoop. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody uh, really should be showing up to hold up the hoop, and if everybody showed up, the hoop wouldn't be so heavy. Okay. But those of us who feel like we have to hold up the hoop, we're there, and we're often being told, you know, uh, to sit. You know, we're already sitting. So hard work and, and understanding that at this point, it really has to be about service. It's not about career. You know, it's not about hardly anything else, but where can you serve the people and where can you serve the planet and where can you, you know, serve humanity and, and all of the rest of the animals. Uh, and finding the joy of that, I, I find it actually when I'm not myself wanting to take to my bed, just really, really joyful uh, and, and happy. Um, so that's what I would say, Akaya. Thank you, Dad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, for me, one of the things that I've wrestled with for a long time has been this idea of reconciling a false dichotomy that I had between self and service. Nina Simons. I grew up believing that service was good and service was how I was going to get my strokes and prove my worth. And, and so I spent a lot of years serving things outside myself that I knew were important. And some things changed for me in the last 10 years through a lot of teaching that included some guidance to um, pay exquisite attention internally to see what made my flame grow brighter and really notice what my specific assignment was, is. Um, and, and what I've been discovering is that there is absolute ecstasy in service that's connected to what makes your flame grow brighter. And 
that there's no dichotomy and there's no difference, and it's the most joyous work I know to do. And so it feels to me like, you know, part of what we've lost in the sort of plowing under of the feminine is a respect for the work of uh, cultivating our inner gardens and um, doing our inner work. And for a time, you know, around our house, we call the folks who do inner work to the exclusion of outer work the Naval Academy. Because um, it's navel gazing, right? And, but, but there is immense, immense power in connecting up our inner work with the call to serve what so greatly needs us out here. And so that's what I think is, is to notice where your flame grows brighter and, and see how you connect up what you most love with what's most needed out there because it's all needed and there's no lack and there's so much creativity in it and uniqueness and each of us has our own very specific thing to bring and it's, it's um, now's the time. Joanna Macy. Yes, yes, to all that. Service, finding your passion, doing what's right in front of you. I would only add, uh, take a moment and or build it into your attitude, the way you look at the sky, the way you breathe the air, of, to the larger context. Um, and I'm thinking actually about the context of time. I have just returned a couple of days ago from 30 days on a wild stretch of the Oregon coast with 60 people. And we called that Seeds for the Future, an immersion in deep time. Now, all these people who came were right up to their elbows, their shoulders over the head, active in causes for the healing of our world and the welfare of all beings. And we were deliberately taking time to look at the larger context in which we live, knowing that our culture has a very peculiar and, I believe, unprecedented experience of time, which is accelerated and fragmented, hurrying up the kazoo. You hardly have time to think a thought two inches long. You're just pushed and driven. and. So we were looking at teachings during our time together and putting them into practice that would be somewhat similar to what the Buddhists call the fourth time in Tibetan Buddhism. They're the beings of the three times, past generations, current generation, future generations. And then there's the fourth time that we can access by a choice we make in the present moment to expand our temporal context and include them. This has the most, so we were inventing ways to do this, we were looking at what it would teach us, and it is remarkable to be able to learn to see what you're doing within a context that is actually larger than your lifetime. Now, right away, it's sort of like a uh, 
poor man's enlightenment because the immediately you do that, you know that you won't be able to see the results, you can't be dependent on observing the results of your own actions. It's very liberating. And you can feel an enormous support coming in to you. Our ancestors had it. A support coming from knowing that the ancestors are with you and of knowing that the future generations are within you also. As my teacher, nuclear activist, Sister Rosalie Bertel says, every being who will ever live in Earth is here now. Where? In your ovaries and in your gonads and in your DNA. And the choices that you make now have a lot to do with whether they'll have a chance to be born sound of mind and body. We were practicing these last five weeks how to live and work, as particularly now that we're coming back to good old speedy usual time, with an expanded sense, a time frame. Mm. And it gives a sense of, of uh, buoyancy and a sense of deep companionship. Mm. And furthermore, I'll close with this, it helps us act our age. <laughs> because we are, well, if only you think of your age as Gaia, there you are, four billion years. But when you think that every particle and every atom and every cell of your body goes back to 13.7 billion years to the primal flaring forth. So it's time we acted with the full authority as well as grace and beauty and perhaps unexpectedness of our true age. I'm taking a breath of deep gratitude for women. And I invite you to join me in that. I love women. I'm also taking a breath of deep gratitude for these particular women. Please join me in that. I love these women. Kaya Winwood, in conversation with Jean Shinoda Bolin, Joanna Macy, Sarah Kroll, Nina Simons, and Alice Walker. Joined by Annie Leonard and Joan Blades. Wise women, imagining together how we might live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. A revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. They don't call her Mother Earth for nothing. Women reimagining the world. Downloads of this program and many other Bioneers radio shows are available on the radio pages at bioneers.org or by calling 1877 Bioneer. 
That's 1-877-246-6337. Visit Bioneers.org where you can learn how to attend the annual October Bioneers National Conference and local beaming Bioneers conferences. Purchase the radio series, conference CDs and DVDs, and Bioneers books. Join the thriving online Bioneers community and become a Bioneers member or make a donation. All at Bioneers.org or by calling one 877 The Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Catherine Stifter and Kenny Ausubel. Senior producer, Neil Harvey. Managing producer, Stephanie Welch. Production management, Aaron Leventman and Chuck Castleberry. Station relations by Creative PR. Distribution is by WFMT Radio Network. Original recordings provided by Reference Media Group. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Rykodisc label. Additional music was made available by Sounds True at SoundsTrue.com. For more music information, please visit Bioneers.org. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 1409.